Praise the Lord, people of God. God is good. Come on, you can do better. You know, I like it when you shout about God is good. And all the time. I like what Pastor Dustin said about that, is that, hey, the moment you figure that out, your life is going to get a lot better. And that is so true. I support that notion because it is true. It changes everything when you get that one. So I want to welcome you for, to our fourth uh, message here on our series, The Purpose Driven Life. Um, uh, and in this series, uh, uh, the last couple of weeks, well, last week we didn't meet, but um, which it was God's gift for those that are behind reading, the slow readers, you know. If you're reading the book along and you're slow, you've got a week to catch up because right now you're ahead. Come on. Not, how many could use that, that extra to catch up? Come on. It's all right, yeah, yeah? And those that didn't raise your hand, you know, we need to have some prayer time for you after the service because you're not, yeah, anyway. But God gave, gave you a bonus here to catch up. And it's, how many are appreciating the book itself? There's a lot more in the book than we get just on Sunday morning. We can all get so much. If you want me to do um, uh, the whole book on Sunday morning, I will. Uh, but you might not appreciate it. Because after about 40 minutes, I start getting a little boring. And so, maybe some of you are like, no, 40? <laughs> maybe like 10, you know? So, but anyway, it's been great. How many are receiving a lot from the purpose-driven life? And so we look at those four, five, uh, we're looking at those five primary callings, or five, five primary purposes that God created us for. And I, in the past uh, few weeks, a uh, couple weeks, we talked about that the first calling and the first reason we are created, the first rationale that God puts over our lives is that we were created to be loved. Everybody say, we, I was created to be loved. The, God did not create you to do something for you here. He didn't put you in this place to achieve anything rather than really created you to be loved by Him. And sometimes we need to learn how to just let God love us. Not just sacrifice, not allow God to love you. He didn't create you to be a servant of his. He didn't create you to be some kind, type of a soldier for him. He created you to be in his family, which kind of builds on the second one, where which says that we are created to belong. Not only do, are we created to be loved, we are also created to belong, to belong to God's family. I tell you that those two things in it by themselves are worth just, um, uh, allowing that to, to kind of sink in deep in your heart, it would absolutely change your life if you understand that, not just in your head, but let it allow it to, to, to change your heart. Because if you know God loves you and is absolutely has no agenda but to have you belong to Him, not just a person in His kingdom, adapt you into His family to become sons and daughters of God. That is a revolutionary, is a, a, a thought that will revolutionize your life. And many times as Christians or believers or disciples or whatever name you want to put on it, we live so underneath that fact that we're not just like anybody else. We have been adapted into the family of God. In John, the Bible says that for as many who received him, he gave them the rights to become the children of God. And this morning, we're going to look at the, at, the, at the third one. And this third calling really is a calling or the purpose or is we are called to become. Say, I'm called to become. 
You see, we are called to be loved by Christ. We are called to belong to Christ. And thirdly, we are called to become like Christ. One of the theme verses, Romans chapter 8, that we've been looking at throughout this whole series. Romans chapter 8 says this, that we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love the Lord and those that are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. Think about that. He called us according to his purpose that he has for us and he called us for what? To become like his son. So that his son would be the firstborn with many brothers and sisters. I'm ready to go home. Right there. That's all the word we need to know this morning. Now, let's get this straight. He's not making us gods. But he's making us into the image and the likeness of Christ so we become like Christ. Now, it's funny, you know, when you have kids, uh, your kids, when people tell, oh, boy, that kid looks like you. As a parent or a grandparent, you're told that you, it, it makes you feel good when you get that. But they, they represent an image of a parent, an image of a grandparent. An image. What really that has to deal with, it has to do with our character. Is that God transforms us more and more to become like Christ. Christ looks like it's the character of God. The Bible talks about uh, the fruits of the Spirit. It talks about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, 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 godliness, self-control. That is the image of Christ. And those are the attributes that God is working and wanting to shape us and, and change us. And we begin to exhibit those types of attributes in our lives where it's not just something we do. It's who we are. And so we begin to reflect the glory of the Lord. When people see us, they see Christ. And that's what God is shaping us to become like. Now, um, uh, the Bible looks at uh, this uh, message. When you look at it, there's five different verses. The Bible talks about um, uh, how compares the walk that we have in this life, the process uh, of living here, the process of becoming like Christ, it compares it to a race. You hear phrases like, you know, uh, considering the race that was set before him, you know, there is, and and, and I want to look at those five uh, verses that really talk about comparing becoming like Christ to a race, okay? And out of it, I'm going to share eight principles. Oh, look at your name and say, oh, he's got eight. Eight principles from those verses. And see, you know, there are some good things that we can draw out of those verses that about becoming life as a race. I want to call it the, the marathon to maturity. Because becoming like Christ is maturing. Spiritual maturity is, this is what I used to look like. This is what, the kind of st- this is what I was engaged in. This is how I used to act. And slowly I'm being transformed. If you met me two years ago, I used to be so short with people. I used to get so angry. And boy, the more I've gotten into the Lord, he's changing me. I'm not the same person that I used to be no more. I was like this, but over time, God has changed me. God wants to work on our character. You see, when we get saved, when we accept Christ as our Savior, when we accept the message of salvation, the message of repentance, 
and we come back to God and say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I give you my heart. When you accept Christ as your Savior, you are saved instantly. Because salvation is done by the work of the cross. We don't earn it. We don't merit anything concerning salvation. It is complete work of the cross that Jesus did. In fact, he said when he died on that tree, he uttered the words what? It is finished because that's a done deal. Our soul, our spirit is saved instantly. An example that I would like to give on this is the one, the three people, uh, Jesus is crucified on the cross and there's a criminal on this side, a criminal on the other side. And one begins to mock Christ and says, hey, if you claim to be who you, want, you say you are, you know, just why, why, why don't you help yourself and get yourself out of this place? How many of you sometimes as a Christian in conversation, someone throws that at you as a believer and says, well, if you are truly a Christian, why does God uh, allow all these bad things to happen? People open up conversations that they know nothing about and they talk like they're the professor on that matter. It's like you're going to argue if the Bible is in truth. I'm taking a, a, a detour here. And yet you've never read it. So that guy begins to mock Christ and says, hey, you claim to be some kind of a prophet or whatever you are. Why don't you help yourself and help us in? And then there's another guy on the other side. He goes, I know I'm bad. I know I deserve to be here, but you're not the kind of person like me. And you don't deserve to be here. I know. And he says, you know, please don't forget about me. That's how simple that man's prayer was. And Jesus looked at him and says, hey, I guarantee you that today you'll be with me in paradise. And the point I'm trying to emphasize here is that the salvation for your soul is instantly when you, at moment you accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior. But how many know that we live on an earth? And so if God allows you to live for a long time or whatever time he gives you, your mind, your soul, your way of thinking, um, how you live life, God starts to work on that. So my spirit is saved. My soul is being saved. And you know I could be a man of the word, a man of faith. But how many know that sometimes I still suffer? like anybody else, because I live in a tent. I live in a body that is impermanent. And my body will be saved one day. I will get a new resurrected body. I look forward for that one day. I'm getting older and I feel it sometimes. <laughs> At least old enough to be president, I guess. But anyway, our body will be saved one day and we'll be given uh, an incorruptible body. But for now, let us get transformed, as the Bible says, by the renewing of our minds. Let us get our minds, allowing God to transform our lives by changing the way we think. And that would affect every area of our lives. And that's what Christlikeness is all about. And that is what God wants to develop in you and I. Changing us and transforming us. If you would allow God to, he would transform us because it has always been his desire and his intent to make us like Christ. We just read there. So that uh, for God knew his people in advance. And he chose them to become like his son. So that his son would be the firstborn with many brothers and sisters. That's you and I. Now, how do you become the man or the woman that God created you to be? How do I run this race to maturity. How do I run this marathon to maturity? 
I want to say that use those verses. So I'll go from different places. On the back of your bulletin, you should have some notes. I don't think I have as all the scriptures there, but I have at least some. And so if I will note, if I read a scripture and it's not there, you can write it down as well. Um, uh, the first thing that you want to do, you know, um, you, you must simplify your life. Hello? Simplify your life. Hebrews chapter 12. Is one of the uh, analogies, the, preacher, uh, the scriptures that uses that analogy uh, or metaphor for running the race. Verse 1 says this, Hebrews 12. Let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back, and especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up. And let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. Now, I, growing up in Kenya, you grow up with runners. Honestly, you do. And I'm not trying to name drop or anything. I grew up in Kenya, and uh, I wasn't the long-distance runner that most Kenyans are known to, to run. Uh, I was a sprinter. I should have been born in Jamaica or something. But anyway, <clears throat> but uh, one of my friends, 1992 Barcelona Olympics, the silver medalist of uh, 10,000 meters, T- Richard Chalimo, not only lived in my neighborhood, he was my friend. And uh, he goes, man, you are Kenyan. You should not be sprinting. You should. So he took me up training one time with uh, some of his marathon guys. And uh, these are Olympian guys that I was running with. And, man, when they're taking off, I start running. You know, I'm running with the giants here. And uh, I don't know how to pace myself. And uh, after a while, man, I'm worn out. And these guys just keep going. You talk about endurance. And I'm watching him and Paul Tagart, who ended up being like a big uh, marathon guy. And I, 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 I walked out with these guys. They just let me in, you know. So to, and I'm looking. I was like, wow, these are great runners. It's just in amazement how long they endure. And that's what Christ is saying. You know, life is not a sprint. It's not a 50-yard dash. It is a marathon. And these guys are going for a long time. I'm thinking, wow, when are you going to stop? And they just, but they know how to pace themselves. They know how to kind of, um, when to use their strength, when they, you know, I came in and I burned it like, oh, hey, I, I, could, I could beat you up on a 50-yard dash, but then I'm done. But life isn't like that. It is a marathon. And here, and when you run a marathon, you don't run a marathon with your snow gear, you know. You really strip up to the lightest T-shirt and the lightest shot you could possibly get. And that's what the Bible says. Let us strip up anything that slows us down or holds us back. And especially those things that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You know, those weights, there are some things in our lives. We're going to run this race to maturity and become like Christ. There are some things in our life that we need to strip up. There are some things that we need to let go. Stuff in our schedule that needs to out the window. Stuff in our relationship, whatever it is. Your life has to be simple enough so that you're not being held back. You're not being held back by things that in the end do not matter. You could be busy but not be successful. You can run through your life and think, what have I done that is significant? 
our race goes on to maturity. Sins, uh, really the moral inventory of ourselves. Sin trips your life up. It holds you back. Some things need to be stripped off and let go. We've got to get our life more simple. That's what the Bible talks about, faith, the childlike faith. It's the simplicity of faith. I preached on this last year. We did a whole series on a simple life. Secondly, you need, uh, number two, don't get impatient or in a hurry. That's what I did when I was walking, running with the Giants and the, 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 the world, world, world record champions, you know, here. I burned out really quick because I wanted to get there and be done. They know how to pace themselves. And the scripture says here, we just read, that we need to run with patience. Not a word that's very popular. I don't even like patience. How many like to be patient? Have you ever prayed, God, help me to be patient? Let me give you a tip. Don't pray like that again. Because <laughs> it's a process. Some prayers are just done. It's like, God, if you want me to be patient, just teach me. I'm not going to pray it. But if we are trying to get there quick, we will end up getting winded, getting exhausted. We like to get the thing that will fix you. I'll give you a pill. No exercise, no time at the gym. You don't have to lift any weight or anything. Just one pill. And boy, the figure will come in. You will look like the person you want to look like. That, wouldn't that be easy? But it takes work and it takes time. Well, how many know that if you try to do it fast, you're going to feel so, I'm talking, let me pick up weight because it's still February, you know, so people still think about those things. So anyway, it's going to, if it doesn't take time, you might achieve your goals really quick, but soon enough, you'll be back where you started. I did that once in my life and I said never again because I wanted quick results. But anyway, maturity into the character of Christ is not something that we get fast. Maturity is spelled T-I-M-E. It takes time to mature. I could teach you how to become spiritually mature. I could teach you how to grow in Christ and in the character of God. But I can't do it fast. It takes time. And God's got all the time in the world. God's patient with us. You know, nobody forces, and many, nobody forces or expects a, a baby to know how to use a computer. I was like, man, you're not catching up. You baby, you're so slow. God knows where we are. And he's ready to walk with us from the place where we are. My kids will bring me, when they're little, they bring me some drawings they make. And I was like, that is excellent. That is wonderful. It's excellent for their age. It's not some, you know. But God knows the stage we're in. And he's wanting us to run this race with patience. He says, run the race with patience. Run with patience the race that I have set before you. You don't progress overnight. You look at what the word, even today, what you get. 
you might not apply all this aid. Get something. Get a baby step. Get something that you're going to apply in your life. Something that you practically do with it. See, when encouraged by the scriptures that we are not, not to be just hearers of the word, but we are to be doers of the word also. So get something from what you're reading, from what you're hearing, and take something that you put an action step that would change your life. Don't think about, oh, I'm going to apply all 20 today. No, just get something. Make a meaningful change. And when you go to the end of the year, if you're making little baby steps here and there, you'll look back and think, wow, you're right here. From glory to glory. From glory to glory. God doesn't want you to be fixed in a moment. He knows. He knows what's going to trip you up too. He knows and he's ready to wait. And he's not giving up on you, so don't give up on yourself. Many times we give up on us. And God says, no, I'm still here. Keep on running. Keep on running with patience the race that I've set before you. Number three, you need to spend time focusing on Jesus. Verse two of that verse, it says, So we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, in whom our faith depends from start to finish. Some translations of the original ones will talk about that looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We've got to keep our eyes focused on him. We need to spend time with Jesus. You become who you spend time with. You become like the people you spend the time with. You can't soar with the eagles when you're running with the chickens. If you're constantly keeping company with negative people before you, and uh, you know it, you'll be negative yourself. I tell you, negativity spreads like wildfire. It's the worst, very bad cancer. If I'm around people that are negative for a long time now, People can express their feeling, but sometimes some people just want to hang on to negativity. I'm like, I got no time for this. I'll give you a little bit. I'll try to encourage you, but I want to be a part where I'm hopeful. I'm not denying the truth of the circumstances. I know this is what I'm feeling like, but I'm hopeful. I stay positive. I try the, way, the best I can to keep myself upbeat, to keep myself hopeful, to keep myself encouraged, to keep myself positive. You spend more time with Jesus, you begin to look more and more like Jesus. You begin to change. Your character begins to develop. And before you realize it, you walk with people that knew you years ago. And sometimes that's what happens. People that knew you a couple years ago. And you hang out with them and say, they start noticing things. I know something like that used to get you so ticked off. I can't believe how you were so calm in that. They don't understand. But you spend time with somebody. His name is Jesus. You need to find a place. Make sure that you spend time with him. In fact, Jesus did this. It's not on the screen. In Luke chapter 22 and 39, I'm going to just read it if you want to write it. Luke 22, 39, it says that Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives to pray. In other words, this is something he did all the time. 
And some of you maybe have started this before, where there's a time I have a devotion time. There's a time I spend with God, and you start and stop, and you start and stop. You need to get back to that. Can I tell you a little secret? And I do it even with my life. You find a particular spot. If you go, and this is a whole teaching on this you could do. In the Old Testament, you see people going in and they build an altar. Uh, Abraham would build, get to a certain place. He pitched the tent and he says, and there Abraham built an altar for the Lord. You read stories like that. They had a sweet spot that they went to, the place where they met with God. It could be on your lazy boy couch in your basement. It could be on the deck. Maybe you like being outside. It could be just about it. It could be even in your car. I don't know. But you find a particular spot. And I find that to happen with me. I have a couple particular spots. I have a spot in my house. I have a spot in my office or when I'm working. And when I go there, I'm I'm able to to have fellowship with God. I do it in my car because I drive a lot. And I used to anyway. And have some powerful times with talking to God. Another tip I'll tell you, you speak up, don't whisper. When I'm like praying quiet, especially in the morning, if I kneel down the side of my bed, and I'm trying to pray, oh, meditation quietly, I fall asleep, it's three hours later, oh, I'm late to work. So I speak, God give you a voice, you use it. Because you're engaging more senses. It keeps you focused. You use your voice. That's why I pray out loud. No distraction. I don't close my eyes in the morning or sometimes I just walk. Because he keeps my eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. I'm able to spend more time with him. And the more time I spend with him, the more I become like him. And the more I become like him, the more character develops in me. And I'm changed day by day into the likeness and the image of Christ. God wants me to be like Christ. And I cannot be like Christ if I don't spend time with him. And the Bible says that we are transformed when we do so. We're told very keenly that we do this by focusing our attention on Jesus Christ. You know, this, this principle has some, has some uh, biological basis in it. In fact, scientists are discovering what they call uh, we're talking about what they call mirror neurons, which really is what um, allows you to do what other people do or to, to sympathize with people. If I said, like, well, you know, I feel like yawning, half of you probably started yawning. There's some brain activity happening when you do that, you know. So you watch a movie and it's a freaky movie and there's a scary situation. You feel it. So there's something in our brain, too, that actually... Uh, allows us to sympathize with people, to feel what other people feel. Yeah, uh, the game last week, some people are screaming on the TV. It's like it was already a done deal. And uh, this reaction of the players was amazing to see that in the last second, the Super Bowl I'm talking about, if you haven't caught on, you know. So, but anyway, you feel the excitement if you're on the winning team. Oh, the anger... <laughs> If you're on the losing, yeah, God help us. <laughs> but anyway, you know, that same thing happens when we spend time with God. One of the most amazing stories is in the Old Testament when Moses spent weeks in Mount Sinai with God. 
weeks in Mount Sinai with God. That's when he came back with the Ten Commandments. The Bible says when he came down from that mountain, he glowed. That they actually had to put a veil on him because he shone so brightly that they couldn't look at him. He faded over time, but he, they had to put the veil on him. Listen to this verse here, making reference to that. 2 Corinthians 3.18. All of us have the veil removed so that we can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become, the same word, more and more like Him and reflect His glory even more. More and more. It actually means it's a process. It's not like I became like Him. I continue to be transformed. I continue to be changed, to become more and more like Him. I'm, talking, I'm not saying you go spend weeks like Moses did. So you need to just have five minutes or ten minutes. Get your day started with the Lord. Talk to him. Ask him, Lord, what do you want to show me? He might speak to you and give you a specific thing. He might not that day. But you get that thing going in your life. Five, ten, fifteen minutes, twenty. Might increase in your life. Start somewhere. If you're going to become who God's called you to become, which reflects the character and the characteristics of Jesus Christ, you have to spend time with him. And make it a habit and build a healthy habit in your life of talking to God. You know, a lot of people talk. There are many voices that talk to you. When God talks to you, it's an inspiration. When Satan talks to you, it's temptation. When you talk to yourself, it's stupidity. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You get the point. Number four, when life gets hard, remember the reward. Repeat this with me. Remember the reward. Jesus walked the planet just like you and I did. There are times that Jesus felt lonely. There are times that Jesus felt betrayed. There are times that Jesus felt angry. There are times that Jesus felt like he was alone. In fact, sometimes he even prayed and says, God, Father, why did you forsake me? He felt the things that we feel. He went on with life and he felt like that uh, and, and suffered rejection as well. People doubted him. People called him names. People did all these things towards him. He went through all those the, the ups and downs of life of living in this planet. Can I just tell you, this is not heaven, and it never will be heaven. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. So if you think your life on earth is going to be all rosy, fine and dandy, 24-7, you are reading the wrong gospel. Because if Jesus didn't have that, What makes you think you would? But the Bible says that we learn obedience through the trials and the lessons that we learn in life. The goal is not to make us comfortable. The goal is not to make us safe. The goal is not to make us live a well-adjusted life and easy. No, the goal is to make us uh, into the likeness of Christ. It's about our character because God is preparing us for eternity. He's got 
got a bigger picture than 80 years or 50 years or 95 years or however long you have on this planet. But your character follows you through eternity. The person is making you to become. So don't be surprised what problems comes into your life. That is just part of the process that makes you even better than you were before. If you keep on going, I was talking to some folks this morning, they say, hey, if you're going through hell, don't stop. Keep going through it. Don't catch it. Don't stop. Keep, you're going to get to the other side, you know. You know, the, he says that if, if David was saying, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Even though I'm going through fire, I know that he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. So I keep going ahead and going ahead and going ahead. I will not be afraid of the terror by night on the arrow that comes in the noonday. The God, the Lord is with me. So I can weather the storms of life knowing that I'm not alone. And in the process, when you're on the other side and you did it in faith, you know that you're a better person than you are. When you come out there without falling and being straight and keeping on to Jesus, you are better than you were before. You're more useful for his kingdom. You can be a blessing to others. You can find someone that's discouraged and says, hey, I know. I know, I know where you've been because I've been there. But I can, I can tell you this. You know, I don't know what God is doing in your life, but I know this. If you continue to be faithful, that God can be trusted. You can put, his faith, you can put your faith in him and never be disappointed. I cannot explain why. In fact, quit asking the question why. When the, well, why is this happening to me? Quit asking that. That's the wrong question. Ask the Lord, God, what do you want me to learn from this? Because the quicker you learn it, the more he moves you to the next one. God believes in you. He has faith in you. He says he will never put you in a place or a temptation that will be too hard for you to bear. When he brings a, a trial and a tribulation or something difficult, allows it to happen in your life, he knows that you can get through it. He has more faith in you. And when you get out to the other side, you become more and more like Jesus. Listen to this in Hebrews. He says, Jesus, Hebrews 2 and 3. Jesus did not give up, verse 2 and 3. Jesus did not give up because of the cross. Of the cross. How many know that the cross could make you give up? Say, like, God, I can weather a few storms. People calling me names, I can handle that. But this, I'm out. Throwing in the towel, God. I'm giving up on you. But he says he did not give up because of the cross. In fact, on the contrary, because of the joy that was waiting for him, he thought nothing of the disgrace of dying on the cross, and he is now seated at the right-hand side of God's throne. Think of what he went through, how he put up with so much hatred from sinners. So do not let yourselves become discouraged and give up. One, one thing I, that st stands out to me in that line, when he says, do not let yourself become discouraged, it implies that discouragement is a choice. It can come in your life, but you choose whether you're going to allow it to keep you down. Boy, that thing, I didn't see that coming. It hit me really hard, but I'm standing up. I'm not choosing. I'm not going to stay down there. The boss is a righteous man. Even though he falls seven times, he still stands up and goes. So, Things in life will happen that are unexpected. Things that you would have never foreseen. But you don't choose to be discouraged, the scripture says. Jesus saw the cross. He saw the brutality and all the, uh, the, 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 the disgrace and all that. But he decided to focus on the joy that was before him. 
and he did not allow himself to be discouraged. You were told to not do that. 1 Peter 5.10 says, After you suffer for a short time, God who gives all grace will make everything right. He will make you strong and support you and keep you from falling. He calls you to share in his glory in Christ. A glory that continues forever. The last time I checked the meaning of the word forever, it was forever. If, Romans 8, 17, listen to this, not on the screen, so I'm going to read it. Since we are his children, he, we will share in his treasures. If you are part of the family, whatever's in the family is yours as well. For everything God gives to his son Christ is ours too. There's a but. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. We will suddenly share in his glory. But we must also share in his suffering. That's why we do things like baptism. The Bible says that we identify with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. It signifies that even in the walk of life that we must carry the cross. We must share in his suffering. But I thank God he overcame the world. Death, hell, and the grave he overcame. And so we're going to share in his glory too. Number five, gather a team to run with you. Gather a team to run with you. you I cannot emphasize in how important it is to work with others. Don't just be in a group, a big gathering. Be a part of a small group. You know, the small group is a safe place but it doesn't become safe place just because we started meeting two weeks ago. How many know it takes time? The people that I've worked with in my life for a long time, and I can be vulnerable in them and not feel like, oh my goodness. They're not. Why? We've worked together for a long time. When we, when we encourage people participating in small groups, we're not just trying to add activity for people. How many know we have enough activity? But this is a biblical thing that God wants us to walk because he knows we draw strength by walking together. I pray with you, you pray for me. I encourage you, you encourage me. And we get together, we are stronger. And I know you'll continue to hear more of that. More small groups will start even this year because allow yourself to be connected to others. Hebrews chapter 10 says this, let us consider how we spur one another or encourage one another towards the love and towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another as you see the day approaching. If you, once you make it a habit, it becomes just a habit of not being connected. And the Bible says, but it says even more, we should. Look, we should fight for the opportunities to be together. We should make that a priority because it's not going to just happen naturally. Because everything is going to fight for our attention. But if you're going to become who God called you to be, you need to be able to walk with some brothers and some sisters that can be honest with you. And say, man, bro, I'm picking on him. 
if I tell him something, and, and I'm honest, and even if he told me something that he thought, if he told me something honestly, and he says, man, I don't, I, I don't think that's good. You know, I won't get offended. Why? We walk together. If he tells me something honest that I'm just being stupid, he'll tell me that. And I would. And I won't get offended and run. Why? I know him. We've walked together. And that doesn't happen overnight. You have to be vulnerable, but you can't become vulnerable with people that you know you've walked with. But there's a starting point. Sometimes it's just, hello, nice to meet you. But that person you met that time could end up becoming your friend. Maybe your neighbor in heaven. Because you allowed God to join you with others. We were not created to walk alone. We are not even wired that way. We miss out on so much when we don't allow that to work in our lives. And that character development and growth of becoming like Christ happens when we walk together with others. Not just in a large setting, but in a small group. Jesus spoke to multitudes. You read the, the Gospels. He spoke to multitudes, but he also had a small group. They realized, they said, hey, Are you hearing what's going on out there? People are saying all kinds of things about you. They say you are the prophet. They say you're just a reincarnation of Elijah. They talk about all. And they just say, hey, okay, that's that's all cool. But who do you say that I am? And Peter looks at him and says, you are Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus tells him that flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. But my father was in heaven. He wouldn't have known that if he wasn't bonded. He, if he wasn't connected to that close. He wouldn't have been able to speak right to their heart. Everything is surface. This guy's new. And Jesus looks and says, on you, you are no longer Peter. I'm going to call you rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates. Even the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That happens when you walk as brothers. You move from casual relationship. Hey, I just think about the weather. It's awesome, man. I love 56. I want to go golfing in January, whatever, to where, hey, I'm really having a hard time with this, bro. Let me just start with you. I know that you are safe. That doesn't happen overnight. You've got to walk with people. Number six, I'm going to start speeding this up because I'm already way over time. Maybe I should give you the other ones and come back. I'm going to give you the notes. You can fill it in. So if I don't finish, you go pray. Let God tell you. Okay, number six is remember that God is cheering me every stage, at every stage. Number six. You got that? Remember, God is cheering me at every stage. I'm going to give you number seven. Take every step with purpose. Be intentional. And I'm going to give you number eight. Realize what I don't finish, God will. That's for me right now. If I don't finish this sermon, God will. (laughs) If you spend time with you, you might be surprised. It's so good. God is just that good. But anyway, (laughs) it's like a kid. Like I said earlier, when when a child is young, there's some things you expect that are from that age, what you expect from a child of that age to know, and to be able to handle them. And they can, God looks at us that way too in our growth level. 
He knows every stage of your life in your spiritual development. And he cheers on you. He cheers you. There's this fallacy that you think that you start pleasing God when you reach the spiritual maturity. Man, when I really mature, then I'm going to please God. But God doesn't look at it that way. Even as it relates to discipleship and leading people to Christ, you just have to be a step ahead of the other person. The person that got to get saved this morning can lead someone to the Lord tomorrow. You can be fruitful in the kingdom of God. As long as you're faithful in every stage, God is cheering you out. Because that's part of your development. You need to go out and win souls for Jesus. Don't wait because, until you are a pastor before you can witness. If you ever become one. Don't wait till you know the Bible left and right before you invite people to Jesus. God appreciates that you grow in whatever stage and is cheering you where you are as you go. Paul, the apostle Philippians 3.12 says this, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. This is Paul, the apostle, who gave us most of the New Testament. But I keep working toward that day when I will finally be that which Christ Jesus saved me for and wants me to be. I am still now, still not all that I should be. But I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to that which lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race and I res- so that I can receive a prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling me or has purposed for me in heaven. Our race is for eternity. Talked about athletes and the Super Bowl player there. Practice. They work hard for a prize. But it's an, for a prize also that fades away. But the prize that we are running for is for eternity. That makes it even more exciting. We need to think eternal uh, with an eternal perspective. And for that, I am going to close the next one. And some of you are saying, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand with me because uh, we need to walk.